Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go! Jets win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to get to know your faux Buffalo Bills edition. So, of course, we bring back our friend, the host of the Rockpile Report, Mr. Drew Gear. Drew, second time this season. Last time was interesting, to say the least, as we look forward to that Jets-Bills game on opening Monday night of the season, 9-11. A wild game. Not sure it's going to be that wild this time, but I'm sure it'll be fun. Thanks for coming back on the show, brother. Where else would I rather be than right here, right now, with my current A uh, ABV? You, know, you got to have like three or four beers these days to talk about the Buffalo Bills pretty much anywhere. Let's start with the topic at hand that has captivated a lot of people. Before we get to Josh Allen, the coaching change, Ken Dorsey out, Joe Brady in. We know the story with Joe Brady. He was the wonderkind a couple of years ago, the passing game coordinator for that LSU offense that had Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and won the national championship and all of that. And then Joe Burrow goes to the NFL with Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. Has a pretty solid first year in Carolina. Gets some head coaching interviews. And then after that, everything fell apart. He gets fired, winds up in Buffalo as the quarterback coach. Now Ken Dorsey is out and Joe Brady is in as the offensive coordinator. We know that Josh Allen is a big part of this puzzle, and we'll get to that in a bit. But it felt like to me, as somebody on the outside looking in, that Ken Dorsey was sort of scapegoated. Because you look at a lot of the production numbers for the Bills offense this year, and it doesn't seem like the coordinator's the problem. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there's plenty of reasons to complain about Dorsey. I've heard you do it a thousand times. It feels like he's the fall guy here for Sean McDermott. Is that a fairly accurate representation of what happened here? Have you ever been mad at someone, right? Like, so you, there, there's someone you don't like. There's someone who's done things that irritate you, and you go, man, that guy needs to get what he has coming to him. And then when it happens, it happens in such a way that you look at it and you go, I'm still not, like, 
I'm not satiated or that almost isn't what I was asking for. That's what I feel like here with the Ken Dorsey situation. I wish, right? I wish that our head coach had organically come to a decision when it first became noteworthy as a problem that our offense was broken, that our approach had all of these flaws to it that were fueling a lot of the mistakes that were being made. And that basically what he was putting on tape was highly defendable if you had a defensive coordinator worth a damn. That's not what took place. What took place is that you had a team that from top to bottom was disorganized for an entire football game, from start to fi- to literally to finish. And you then take a step back and go, okay, now, like, this glaring of a thing, there, there's no organizational focus here, there's nothing. And the answer is, let's fire the coordinator. That's cool, but that's like, it's like the bear catching the slowest guy in the party. Everyone else, like there's other people in that group who might still suck at their jobs, but they just weren't faster than the bear. And that was unfortunately Ken Dorsey. Now, I've expressed my displeasure for almost every, I will go on record and state this, every single offensive coordinator the Bills have had for probably 20 years. But that's not hard because most of them have been terrible. And none of them really had quality quarterbacks to work with. Brian Dable, looking back, and it might have been the best of them, and he was flawed. He still had problems. He wasn't perfect. But you now see what happens when you've got a guy who is, you know, for all the things that Dable wasn't, Ken Dorsey absolutely is not. But that what's to be expected when you take a guy who had nine years of offensive coordinating experience in the NFL and turned the keys of what is a Ferrari over to a 15-year-old who has no experience, none. He is a rookie coordinator. The only qualifications he had to be our game, like our game day play caller and our game planner and the constructor of all of our passing concepts and just the way that figuring out the way our spacing should work. All of these things, right? The only qualifications that he really has when you look at it in an NFL level is that Josh Allen liked him. So in that way, you could look at it and say, sure, Dorsey had to go. Also, why is Dorsey even here? Whose fault is it that he was allowed to stay here until everything was such an embarrassment, somebody had to be made an example of, and then he was conveniently let go? The whole thing leaves a bad taste in my mouth. You know, we talked about it during our recap show from this week's game. It just very much, I feel like coming out of this, Sean McDermott looks smaller than he ever has in his entire career. That's how I'll table that. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. I want to talk about Sean McDermott a little bit before we get to Josh Allen, because I love the way you've put it on the Rock Pile Report a bunch of times. 
You said McDermott was the guy that was necessary to get the Bills from where they were to where they are, but that maybe he's not the guy to get them to where they need to be. And I think that's a great description. I think he's overall done a pretty good job, but maybe he's reached the peak of what he's capable of. Maybe the Bills have reached the peak of what they're capable of under Sean McDermott, and you're starting to see cracks in the foundation. They were there all along, but they're really starting to become visible now with the Bills 5-5 five and five, and in a lot of trouble because, let's be honest, Drew, if they lose this game to the Jets, their playoff hopes are in dire straits. Right now, with the AFC the way it is, with the Dolphins potentially getting a significant lead in the division if they're able to beat the Raiders, the Bills would be in trouble if they lose to the Jets here. They could be in jeopardy of not only not winning the division, but not making the playoffs at all, which is crazy because everybody thought they were a favorite to go to the Super Bowl. I believe before the season started, they had the fourth highest odds or something like that. So if they don't make it to the playoffs, let alone the Super Bowl, that is an enormous letdown. Talk to me a little bit about what's going on there with McDermott because it just seems like everything is crashing down to earth at once. Well, I think what some of what you're seeing is that Sean McDermott's very limited in terms of what he can do with the defensive unit that doesn't have a ton of star power. You know, you you're talking about a team with a pair of aging safeties who and we can get it like like I said, you'd have to go back if your listeners really want to, you can go back to our recap show and we, you can hear all about the problems that I have that I've parked firmly at his doorstep. Because your job as a coach isn't just to have the answers, right? It's not to, the head coaches aren't supposed to be the thing that fixes everything that's wrong with your team. Good head coaches build a roster in the image of what they think it takes to win consistently in the NFL. And because there's a salary cap, there's only so much money you can spend. And so you have to allocate your resources properly and then use the experience of both yourself and your hand-picked coordinators and position coaches and different evaluators on the roster week to week to week to make the right decisions, whether it's crafting a game plan, whether it's coming up with your in-season roster, when it's coming out of training camp and saying, this is how I want to make things. When it's in the preseason process of the, the free agency period, the draft, it's you figuring out how to help your GM know what you need in order to succeed. I think all of the people who complain about Brandon Bean, who he's not perfect, no GM is. Brandon Bean has been able to find quality in certain positions. He's missed on some draft picks. But the reality is the job of an NFL head coach is so hard. In fact, it's harder than the job of NFL GM. Because GM, you you, you manage the salary cap, you acquire the talent you can acquire, you... Like most of your cues, though, on what it is you're trying to do with most of your job comes from the head coach. So he's the guy who's supposed to come to you and give you the grocery list and tell you, here's what I need in order to win. And the GM can take a look and say, okay, well, here's what we have in the bank account. I can get you two of these and they're going to be high end options. And I can fill in the rest of these with UDFA quality players, or we can spend evenly. Here's the guys from our, my pro personnel department who have identified mid range free agent targets that we think can satisfy the needs you have here. All of it comes from this one place. I think that when you're adopting something that has no structure, Sean McDermott's done a great job, but I think ultimately when you've now tasked him with all of this stuff, plus being a defensive coordinator, I think he's in over his head. And I also think that he's got some flaws 
within the head coaching realm that are going to hold him and any team he coaches back. We're seeing it this season where on paper, you could have made the argument that the Bills, even though they lost some talent, weren't, and even even when these injuries started, they still weren't going to belly flop. They They had the horses to do what was necessary for this team to be a winner. They just failed to execute it. That's coaching. And unfortunately, you can blame every single position coach, but slowly McDermott's running out of people to blame. He's the one constant as these failures start to mount. And as things unravel this season, what you're seeing more and more often is that it's not just the offenses and scoring. It's not just that we're turning the ball over too much. There are some really suspect things in terms of organization and in terms of defensive just ideology. The concept that in a, in a situation where you, you have to play bend but don't break defense against the Broncos this past week, he calls a, he calls a full-out blitz. Blitz is both the A and B gap at the same time. Knowing that you've got a veteran play, uh, veteran quarterback, a veteran head coach on the other side, as soon as you show them that, his entire staff is just telling Russell Wilson, just throw it. Just go deep. Take a shot. They're going to put pressure in your face, but we know and you know that that means you have one-on-ones on the outside and there's not a whole lot of help coming. You need to do this. Take the shot. And it blows up in our face. And you look at our coach and go, this is like the fourth or fifth time you've killed us with an ill-timed blitz. Or just play, play calling that doesn't match the moment. So I say you're, you're, you're half-assing this. What's the Ron Swanson quote? Don't half-ass multiple things. Whole-ass one thing. Right now, Sean McDermott's struggling to do all of it. And so it's with that that we find him coming into this week against the Jets. I don't care what you say about the state of their offense. I'm concerned that Sean McDermott does not have it or to just like in terms of his organizational skills and his compartmentalization abilities to be both a strong defensive coordinator and craft a quality game plan against this team and then also get the situational play calling right that it's going to take to win what is a must-win football game like you said earlier. Drew, let's dig in a little bit more on the defense before we get to Josh Allen and the offense. Can you get a little bit more specific about what's going wrong there? Well, wrong is a subjective thing because if you look at the things, I mean, look at where we are. The Buffalo Bills over the last couple weeks, you've held your opponents to 24 points, 24 points, 18 points, and 29 points. If if I told you that, oh, and nine points, right? Nine points. If I told you that that was the outcome for our defense, you'd assume that our team was winning in runaway fashion. Instead, we're two and three. Like, the defense is still doing its job. You know, the trade for Rasul Douglas, I expect some ramp-up time. Maybe he's not going to be a good fit. Who knows? What I do know is that when you look at the passing yards allowed, no one, Joe Burrow didn't have a day against us, okay? The Broncos had 177 yards against us. Tampa Bay had the best day out of anybody that we've played over this uh, five-game stretch where we've gone two and three. What? Nobody, what? He's the only one to go more than 260 yards. Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The defense, by and large, it's doing its job. Now, it hurts you that you gave up 192 rushing yards, and this is where the Jets scare me. 
Because they're a team that kind of knows rushing, hey, rush defense, the, the rush offense, that's kind of our identity. It's when teams have been able to take that away and make Zach Wilson win the game, that's where you things have gotten rocky for you guys. Well, this is a defense that because I think they sell out to stop the pass so much, they hemorrhage yards, and they do not tackle well in space. You, know, you bring in a Taylor Rapp going, oh, man, if this guy pans out, he could be the f- future safety that we signed to a contract extension for. He just doesn't tackle well. It, you look at guys like DeMar Hamlin. Anytime that we're asked to go to the depth of this depth chart, you just see poor tackling. You know, Ter- Terrell Bernard has been a godsend for us. Matt Milano, like, you can't replace that, right? So no matter who they put in there, whether it's Dorian Williams, who's a rookie, or Terrell Dodson is a guy who I don't even know why he's in the NFL anymore. They these are guys who are going to make mistakes. They are going to struggle, especially with run fits. And it's just, you know, in the case of Dorian Williams, it's a rookie issue. But they're not giving him the requisite playing time to play through that because our coach knows better than everybody else. Terrell Dodson has had years to illustrate that he is a quality NFL player. Right now, he's a special teamer at best. And yet, we continue to trot him out there for meaningful snaps during NFL football games. I think that I think that the thing that Jets fans should look at is how they orchestrate the rushing attack in this game. Because there again, Denver hasn't been anything special through the air, but they did enough on the ground. They still racked up 369 total yards and won a football game. Drew, let's talk about the offense now because it's interesting. You mentioned how the defense is doing its job with the bend but don't break, but ultimately the metrics don't look good for that defense over that stretch you just talked about. Those same metrics look pretty good for the Bills' offense, and yet they're unable to overcome the constant mistakes. And the funny thing is, in a lot of ways, the Jets and Bills kind of mirror each other. The difference is the Bills have a guy who's supposed to be one of the league's best quarterbacks who should be able to help them overcome these issues, and the Jets don't with Aaron Rodgers out and Zach Wilson playing, and yet they seem to be pretty similar in the way things are breaking down With Josh Allen, it's funny, you look at his statistics and it looks eerily similar to Brett Favre. Now, Brett Favre, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and also things have changed in this era. When Brett Favre was at his peak, quarterbacks threw a lot more interceptions than they do now. Interceptions are a lot more rare, yet Allen has led the league in turnovers over the last couple of years. And I think that continues to shoot the Bills in the foot. We've seen it against the Jets a couple of times now. That's the reason that they lost on 9-11 this year. It's the reason that they lost to the Jets last year. And so Josh Allen is both the Bills' greatest strength on offense and their biggest weakness. It's such a strange conundrum. What's going on that offense? Well, I'll tell you what. And this is where you're going to miss Brian Dable the most, and that's how it's why these things over the last two seasons that you're talking about, losing to the Jets twice. You know, we had to split with you. We've now, hopefully, we can split with you guys two years in a row. Getting swept by you guys would be an embarrassment for this offense. And that's not a slight to Jets fans. It's just the truth. When you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, you shouldn't be losing to a team that doesn't have one multiple times. That's just not a thing that should happen. One of the things Josh Allen requires is structure in his offense. If he doesn't have it, he freelances and he's forced to try to play hero ball. And unfortunately with Ken Dorsey, things were just, I mean, you saw the, you, we all saw the Dan Orlovsky just absolute takedown of how pedantic this offense has been. It's concepts that made no sense. Broken concepts, broken schemes. 
that's been the theme of this. And most of our, some of our most successful moments came when both coordinator and quarterback had no time to think. When they played fast and went no huddle or did like sugar huddles and just kind of ran it quickly, neither one of them really had time to think about what it was going to be. They just went to the line of scrimmage and got a play in and then said, okay, I see a matchup. I see a matchup. Bang, bang, bang. It's play. It's playground football. But that's when he's at his best because of the lack of overall cohesiveness and structure this offense had. So now he's fired. They're going to bring in Joe Brady. I don't know what Brady's going to bring to the table because he's also, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, never been an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He worked for Matt Rule, who was apparently in charge of the offense. So, we'll I, it, again, I'm going to hold my breath on what Joe Brady is. Drew, Brady called the plays in Carolina, so he was the offensive coordinator there. Well, then that makes me sad because that offense sucked. So the, the, you just killed my night. Now I'm going to open another beer. So with that, <laughs> with that said, Scott, the offense has to have structure in order for Josh Allen to be able to feel like he can do the things he has to do. That was never an under question. It was never a part of the question. You know, you go back to the evolution of what this offense became in 2019. The offense had structure even when Josh Allen wasn't at his best. It was, we're going to live through the run, do a lot of things off play action, do a lot of things to wide receivers in those deep crossers. This was pre-Stephon Diggs. It didn't work. I mean, it worked well enough for us to be a playoff team, but it didn't work in the sense that he wasn't a star. Now, he put in work to fix his own mechanics, but also we went out and did a lot of roster building and tried to make this a stronger passing attack in terms of the quality of the offensive line, in terms of the quality of our pass catchers, some of the schematic things that they opened up now that Josh had fine-tuned his mechanics. And slowly, Brian Dable took the training wheels off but maintained an offensive structure. There was an idea. We were a vertical passing attack that was going to hit you between 15 and 20 every single time which made it incredibly hard to defend because your linebackers were almost taken out of the equation from a coverage standpoint. Or if they weren't, you were going to hit them in that soft spot right between where safeties can't help you and you're not athletic enough to cover my guy up a seam or on a deep cross when you're playing a zone. We massacred teams in 2020 under that under those auspices. You come, you know, every season now people figure out what you're doing, they adapt. Dable kept our offense on pace year over year over year. And then they finally said, okay, Dorsey, rookie, get in there, do the same thing. And he was in over his head. Right now, what you have to find, I don't care what it is, your offense has to make sense. It has to have a pattern. It has to have a plan. Not just, well, I've got a book of plays and I'm going to scatter shot them. This isn't Madden. Ken Dorsey called plays the way I would call them if you gave me a headset and made me the offensive coordinator. I'd say, well, obviously I'm going to throw in this situation. That's not the case. What did you run last play? There's more context and nuance to how you develop a game plan and then also how you call a game. There's a a method to it, and we've failed so far this season. So Josh Allen is to blame, but also the lack of structures to blame. Those turnovers against the Jets week one were a byproduct of nobody being open and him trying to win the game on most throws because he felt like he had to because he wasn't watching us have any success anywhere else with our attack. I mean, the one thing I will say you guys should watch out for is the growth of our running game. You look at this and, you know, obviously you guys have a very dominant rushing attack. Brees Hall, you have a very good running back. 
Do you know who's right behind Brees Hall at fourth in the NFL in rushing yards over expected? James Cook. For all of the, the, the difference is, is that the Jets lean into Brees Hall because they're like, well, we know that he's provably good. And the Bills have been going, we don't know. We still don't know what we want to be and what we want to do. <laughs> you guys know he's special. So you treat him like he's special and use him accordingly. We don't have that luxury, or at least we haven't until now. Hopefully the Brady era brings a little bit more common sense to what it is we're doing on a week-to-week basis. And maybe that's the key to turning this whole thing around. Drew Gear, host of the Rock Power Report. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the bills on this edition of Know Your Foe. Really appreciate it. Make sure you check out everything that Drew is doing over on the Rock Power Report. You can download the podcast anywhere where you get podcasts. I'm on the AFC East Roundup every week, and this week I'm getting called up to the main roster from NXT because I'm going to be on the actual Rock Pile Report podcast helping to break down the Jets-Bills matchup, so make sure you check that out. Check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome All-22 breakdowns on our channel, so watch them. And subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, bless you, thank you shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.